Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Beyond the Cover. I am your host, John Robb. Unfortunately, my co-host, Jeff Ayers, has fallen into Star Trek land, and he is doing something on that end today. So he isn't able to join me today, which is unfortunate, because we are here. We're going to be talking with uh, New York Times bestselling author Kathy Reichs, and we are going to be talking about book number 19. Uh, it's called A Conspiracy of Bones, and it is in her Temperance Brennan series, so, Kathy, we are so excited to have you on the show. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you for inviting me. And, you know, I, when I was looking back, and, and I knew it was a lot of books. I didn't know it was 19 when I started looking. I was like, 19 already? Uh, do you pinch yourself when you kind of hear that? Yeah, I really hadn't anticipated I'd be doing quite that. When I wrote the first book, Deja Dead, I just hoped I could manage to finish it, number one, and get somebody to publish it, number two, and get somebody to read it and like it, number three and number four, three. Number three is the hardest one. Yes, yes. But, and, now, and now 19 books later, I mean, you, you kind of start off this one, you know, poor temperance. Um, you know, she's recovering from surgery for the aneurysm, and she has a lot of things that are going on. So give us a little bit about what you got going on in this one. Well, yeah, she has a lot on her plate. Um, she, has ha- she was diagnosed prior to the opening of this story. She was diagnosed with a cerebral aneurysm, unerupted, and they did a fairly routine surgery to correct it. But she's having some lingering issues, some migraines, and one of the themes of the book is what is real and what is not real. And so for the first time ever, she's having to question her own perceptions. And at one point in the story, all of her physical evidence, her computer, everything is lost in a fire. And she has to rely just on what's in her head. And she's not sure she can completely trust that. So, and the theme is really on two levels. Um, because we're bombarded in today's uh, atmosphere constantly with information from the internet, from the airways, from blogs, and anybody can get on any of those platforms and say anything that they want. So how does the average listener sort through all of that and determine, well, what are fake news and what are alternative facts and what is real news? So it's, it's kind of that theme on two different levels. Yeah, it, when, when I was going through it and I was reading it, I, I kind of noticed, I was like, wow, you know, she, she kind of turned this one upside down, a little old school, like you said, having to go into her brain, having to not rely so much on the technology and having to rely more on herself. Now, was this, some, was this something that you had been thinking about doing um, previous, or did this just kind of come to you uh, when you started writing 19? Well, I thought it would be fun that you've got to keep shaking it up. You can't do you the do. same thing again and again and again. You know, she works in the lab in Montreal. She works in the lab in, in Charlotte, North Carolina. So I thought this time it might be fun to have her go rogue. I mean, she has to work outside the system and rely on her own resources. Part of the reason for that is another issue she's dealing with. There's a new boss in town. Uh, we learned in a short story I wrote, called First Bones, kind of an origin story, that uh, her long-time boss, Tim Larrabee, had been murdered. So there's a new boss in town, and this new woman really does not like Tempe. They have history together. And she refuses to let Tempe work uh, at the medical examiner office. So as the story opens, uh, somebody sends Tempe anonymously some text messages with images. And the images are of a faceless corpse. 
So for reasons we learn in the story, Tempe becomes committed to identifying this faceless corpse. There's no hands, there's no teeth, no face, um, but she has to do it working outside the system. So it's just a, a, new, a new twist, a new uh, challenge to give the protagonist. You know, and for readers like myself who have zero idea of forensic anthropology, I mean, let's face <laughs> you could give me a bone, I would be like, that's a chicken. I would have no clue. So how kind of you, how, how are you able to go ahead and, I guess, you know, lack for a better term, dumb it down for people like us when we're reading the book to kind of understand, you know, what the job is and kind of what it entails, and you've had to, have, you know, do that now over 19 books. How, how difficult is that for you, though, every time to kind of keep doing that over and over for us that needs to yeah. kind of understand that job? And in each book, it's, it's not just bones. If you just did bones right. after bones, people might get tired. So in each book, I use a different aspect of forensic science. It could be blood spatter pattern analysis, or it could be mitochondrial DNA extracted from cat hair or, or whatever. So you put your finger on it. You can't. People, don't, people want to learn a little something about how forensic science works, but they don't want to read a textbook. So you have to keep it brief. You don't want to dumb it down, but you have to put it in simple, understandable, and entertaining That's terminology. Cool. And, yeah, and it, you know, it's sort of the same skills you use in keeping the um, attention of a jury Again, you don't want to dumb it down, but you want them to understand it, and you want, them to, you want to keep their attention. So I think it's kind of the same skills. Mm-hmm. Now, the other thing is, is have, you, have you ever kind of thought when you were kind of getting into this, you know, when you were kind of getting into another book that you wanted to maybe do something different, not with the characters, but with your writing in, in, in general? Is it something that you constantly do saying, I'm going to do more scene setting, I'm going to do more character dialogue, I'm going to do something, you know, a little different to maybe push yourself? Does that thought process ever come into your head? It, you know, it doesn't, um, unless I'm writing a, a short story or, you know, a standalone. Um, but when I'm writing the Temperance Brennan books, I pretty much, I have my set cast of characters. I have my premise. She's a forensic anthropology anthropologist. Uh, um, I, my cat just walked across here. I um, <laughs> use first-person voice in solving the, the mystery because I write good old-fashioned murder mysteries, the only differences they're the solutions are science driven um so i don't intentionally do that now some reviewers of this book and some uh readers have commented that they feel the writing style is slightly different well maybe that's because the subject matter is different that she's not working in a traditional system that she's she is experiencing these personal issues um i wanted to introduce those elements of fiction, but I didn't necessarily intend to change my writing style, but maybe I did. <laughs> well, and, and okay, so, I mean, so, yeah, it wasn't a conscious effort. It was just something maybe that just kind of happened within the writing, which, which can very well do that, of course, as an author, because, you know, there's, you, you guys have so many things that you have to kind of keep track of. And when, when you're in book 19, you know, when the series, you hear people say, oh, well, you know, it's a series, and so it's kind of the same book over and over. However, you have to keep track of so many things that have happened in 19 books. Do you have post-its everywhere or just chalkboards? or Like, how are you kind of keeping track of everything that is kind of going on so you always keep that consistency? 
Yeah, I keep saying I should have my assistant go through and write what in the writer's room for writing for television. We would call a Bible where you have all of your, your yep. facts. You need a compilation book. <laughs> yes, exactly, and I don't have one. Uh, what I do have, and I do often have to go back and check things. You know, in book 12, did I, you know, kill off Ryan's father or, what? you know, whatever. So um, I do have uh, the earlier books uh, in digital format on my computer so I can go back to the book in which I think I'm looking for whatever it is I'm looking for, and I can do a keyword search and check, you know, what color her mother's eyes are or whatever it is. I have to keep consistent. Now, when, when, when other authors are kind of writing about maybe, you know, not, not the entire book subject matter of, of what you do, but maybe a scene or something where they need, are they able to maybe contact you and say, hey, you know what, did I get this right? Is there something wrong that I want to make sure that I get right? Do you kind of handle, do you take emails like that? Do you, since since that, is your, you know, that is your profession, um, you know, the anthropology side, the forensic anthropology side, do you take questions from authors? Yeah, I have had questions from authors. Um, most of the time, they're people I know, okay. um, not just cold questions, you know, out of the blue. Um, also, when I have questions, which I do because I research so many things, I research everything, um, I do go to an expert in the – because I know when I'm reading a book and if they try to write about, you know, anthropology and they get it wrong, I find that really annoying. I was going to um, say, yeah, so I, I do try. Yeah, so I do try if I'm, whatever I'm writing about, um, you know, forensic toxicology or whatever it happens to be, I do try to get it right and I do go to an expert. Now, I'm lucky because I have worked for decades in a combined crime and medical legal lab that I usually can just walk down the hall or pick up the phone and, and you know, call someone that I know. If, if you know, if you're a writer that doesn't know any forensic scientists, they, you know, there, there are a lot of good volumes written about it. Um, and also you can uh, go to the American Academy of Forensic Sciences website and contact someone in the particular specialty area that you're interested in. Interesting. I had no idea that they would do that. Uh, that's good. Well, some will, some won't. <laughs> true. That's true. I, yeah. I think, I think, and I think when you contact, sometimes when you say, hey, I'm an author writing, I think a lot of people are like, ooh, okay, yeah, let me help out an author to try to, you know, I, I think that's always a good way to maybe kind of approach them. <laughs> yeah, and I'm always more willing to help if it's apparent they've done their research and, true. you know, they're not just saying, hey, tell me everything about bones, you know. Right. Um, but, it, but if they have done their research and they say, look, I've looked it up, I think this is the answer, I think this is what you look at to determine, you know, racial background or whatever, you know, I'm much more willing to, to help out. Mm-hmm. It, now, of course, now that you're book 19 into the series here with A Conspiracy of Bones, some people who, if, you know, maybe who just crawled out under a rock or whatnot are like, who is Kathy Rikes and who is this character? And then they kind of, you know, wonder, oh, well, there's 19 books. Where should I start? Where do you kind of, you know, want to let people know what's the best thing to do? They can start with Conspiracy of Bones, work their way around, kind of just jump in back and forth. What do you suggest? Well, each um – as with the show, as with the, we did 246 episodes of Bones. Uh, and yeah, it's a lot, 12 years. We're the longest running scripted drama in the history of Fox. But each one is a self-contained story. While there are some arcing story elements that continue from episode to episode, 
or season to season even, um, each one is a standalone. And it's true with the books as well. Um, each one is a complete self-contained um, story. So it depends on the person's mind. I have a, a linear mind, and I would like to, if I could discover a new author, I like to start at the beginning and work my way through. So I have the chronology, and I can follow the development of the characters. But you don't have to. You might want to start with the most recent, with A Conspiracy of Bones, and then if you like that, go back to Deja Dead and take it from the beginning. Or you could jump in anywhere along the 19. Yeah, I, when I kind of see this, I always kind of look at all the books and I find the one that I think is like the best plot line to kind of get an idea and not too concerned right now about the underlining relationships and how those things kind of work and, and just kind of see how the plot, I guess, is kind of written and how the author likes to kind of wrap them around that because you're going to notice the same things kind of in every book, even if things are a little different, you're still going to get that same kind of essence of their style and how they're putting words down on the page for me. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's yeah. fair. Now, you are also doing some virtual things, I know, with my co-host, Jeff Ayers. You were doing some things with Thriller Fest. Can you talk a little bit about what you were doing uh, virtually since Thriller Fest is no longer going to happen this year? There, you did something with, I think, Karen Slaughter. Yeah, I've done a number of things. I've done so many, I'll have to sort out who I did what with whom. Yeah. Um, I've done a virtual tour of my office. Um, I Karen, Karen has a podcast and she interviewed me for her podcast. I think Karen and I did a couple of things. We also did something for Thriller Fest, talking about the craft. Um, Part of Thriller Fest is Craft Fest, so we talked about the craft of writing and some tips on writing and how to get published. Um, I've done (laughs) a variety of, of different things. And how has those kinds of things, when you talk about them now, when you look back to Deja Dead, how you were able to kind of get your agent and get published and, uh, you know, get out there as it is now today with new authors that are trying to do the same thing? I I think it's probably – my story of getting published is not a typical one. So um, it, it it's not a good kickoff point for this, but right. I, I do think it's more difficult today to get published, I think, because the publishing industry has – taken some hits um, and there's such a shift to electronic I think publishers might be less willing to take a chance on an unknown quantity Um, so also when I wrote Deja Dead um, and submitted it uh, I didn't have an agent (laughs) and today I I think you really have to have an agent I've I've heard some publishers say they don't even look at unagented um, manuscripts I, and, and, you know, we have our publishing company, Suspense Publishing, and, and we kind of are going more that route because what we found out is that once you go through the agent, at least it's been some, through some kind of an editing process. And I think that a lot of new authors don't realize what that entails. And it's like, and I tell people, I'm like, well, no one wants to really read your first draft, and that's kind of what you're giving them if you haven't had it edited. Um, and, and I try to, and that's, that's, that's kind of what we, that's kind of the advice I like to give. That's in, hey, you know, this is, this is kind of what you need to do, I think. Well, I definitely think you, you do need an agent representing you. Yeah. Um, the problem is if you're previously unpublished, you're a brand-new quantity. Oh. It can be almost as hard to get an agent as it yeah. is to get a publisher. So, yeah, that's a tough one. It's, a, it's tough to be breaking in right now. Now, when people go to your website in order to say kathywrites.com, which is the best place to find out everything about you, you have all of your social media and everything up there, the one thing that they might notice is you have this thing called the Virals series. Can you explain a little okay. bit about what you got there? Because you got nine books. 
within this series? Yeah, um, we've got six books and three novellas, I think we did. I did that with my son, Brendan Wright. Right, Brandon. Um, Brendan is a lawyer. He practiced for about, I don't know, a total of two years. He hated it <laughs> and came to me desperate to get out of practicing. He was uh, working for a large, one of these large um, law firms. And he said, why don't we write a young adult series? So I thought, well, yeah, that'd be fun. Um, so he and I, we did. Uh, the, it's the viral series. It features, and part of the reason is people would come to my events or my signings and they'd say, is it okay for your, my daughter to read your Temperance Brennan books? And I'd say, well, how old is your daughter? And they'd say, seven. And I'd say, no, <laughs> it, really, it really isn't. So we thought it would be fun to, to do something for middle grade young adults. Um, so the this of kids using forensic science to solve cold cases and, and mysteries. So it's Temperance Brennan's 14-year-old great-niece, um, Tori Brennan, and her three best friends who are boys, and um, that's what they do in the books. Awesome. Yeah, I remember when I talked with you back, um, and I forget what book it was for, but we talked uh, back, and you had, I think had, these were just coming out with this viral series, and, and I thought it was a really cool idea. It's so great that, you know, like you said, six full-length novels, three novellas, and, and it's going on because I think it is important, and I think kids would get involved, you know, and, and really get involved in something that they might not quite understand, but it's able to kind of get to their grade level. Yeah, and those books are equally as complex, as, yeah. and they're thicker, I think, than my Temperance Brennan books. They're big, honking books. The only difference is the dialogue is different, obviously. The kids' social concerns are different, but um, they're equally complicated, the stories. And the kids are loving them, and the school librarians are loving them, too. That's great. So as far as your social media, which, which place are you more active on for people to find out more information, talk with you, or maybe interact a little bit? Well, I'm on pretty much every platform. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. Um, I'm on Twitter. And then I have my, um, my own site, as you said, KathyRikes.com. So do you, do you interact with your fans um, a little bit on those, on those social media platforms? Yeah, we do. Um, I'm fairly active on Twitter. I, you know, I look at it probably a couple of times a day, probably more than I should. Me too. Um, yeah, and then we try to have fun things that we put up on the on the Facebook and on the Instagram, the, like the tour of my office. We did this whole series we've been doing. My assistant has been helping me do this whole series of little video clips of me in isolation and how I'm spending my time in isolation. Yeah. Well, I'm sure book 20 is already pretty much complete at this point, and you probably already have it out edited or who knows what it is, but can you give us a little uh, preview of maybe what you got coming in book 20? Is it, did you do something special for the 20th? Well, I'm, it's a Temperance Brennan book, um, number 20. Uh, I'm well along. It's not finished. It's not oh, okay. edited other than my own editing. Um, it's called The Bone Code. Ooh. And what, what can I, let me see, what can I tell you about it? I've been doing a lot of research into human genome editing. Let's leave it at that. Wow. Now, is it going to be set um, Charlotte again, or are you moving around March Montreal? Where are you going to go with this one? It actually starts out in Charlotte, and there's a hurricane barreling down um, on the Carolinas, and then it moves to Charleston. And um, then uh, Tempe is, connects a case of, a medical container washes ashore with some human skeletons inside. 
And nice. there are lots of details of this uh, situation that she is horrified to recall a cold case in Montreal that had exactly the same set of circumstances. So she, it, the story ends up shifting between the Carolinas and Montreal. Brings a whole new meaning to the term message in a bottle when you see that round. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Well, Kathy, we want to thank you so much for spending some time with us today and talking to us about a conspiracy of bones and just the Tempest, you know, Brennan series and, and everything that's going on in there. So, again, thank you so much. Congratulations. Book 20. I mean, it's amazing. Uh, your career is just skyrocketed and it's just so fun. Uh, your books are great. So we want to thank you so much. Well, thank you so much for having me on today. All right. You have a good day and we'll talk soon. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Stay safe.